guys and welcome to the brand new Gold Coast Frontline Podcast. This is a Gold Coast Titans podcast with myself, BKR Sport and Clarkie's Rugby League column. We are both very passionate Titans fans and I'm really, really excited to get started. This is the first time that we're ever doing this, so obviously there might be a few kinks in the armor as we're, you know, getting into it and getting into the uh, discussion of it, you know, starting to understand each other and uh, really enjoy what we do, which is Rugby League and enjoy this podcast because, you know, there's not much out there uh, in regards to Titan support, as we all know, but there is still a loyal fan base that does love this team every single second of the way, even though we haven't exactly had the greatest of times in history. Obviously, it has been a bit of a tough one, but the fact of the matter is, is that we stay loyal, we stay through and through, and, and that's exactly what we've done this entire time. As I said, my name is Blaze. I'm from BKR Sport on YouTube, and we do have Clarky here from Clarky's Rugby League, Connor, my co-host. How are we going, man? Yeah, g'day, mate. Thanks for the uh, introduction there. Um, really, really happy to be here and even happy to have Titans fans here listening with us. Um, love the Titans, been supporting the Titans since probably around 2010-ish. I didn't actually start off as a Titans fan. I was born into a Parramatta Eels family. So I still went for the Eels when, they had, when our Mighty Titans first did join the competition. Um, but a bit of a fun story, actually. What got me into the Titans was um, living and growing up on the Gold Coast, I would go to every home game for the Titans. And we weren't winning a, a great deal of games around that time, um, and but we were fighting. In every single game, we fought hard. And eventually, that's what drew me to the club. And it was the fight and the passion shown by the players. And um, you know, from that moment, as a fan, I've always tried to replicate and show that passion for our side. Um, and yeah, being a part of the Titans family, being a part of this club is something that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, I love the Titans community and just being completely realistic, as dorky as this sounds, uh, I base my entire week off the Titans. Tuesdays, I'm looking at our team list, who's in, who's out. I'm commenting on the Instagram throughout the week, you know, prepare well, lads. Um, and then most importantly, this is something I feel like you do really well, as well as myself, is remaining positive through the tough times. As Titans fans, it, it is easy to fall into that trap, but uh, we are in every way about being positive on this show, something we'll always endeavor to do and something that we really think as two Titans creators, we can be a point of difference in our community and really uplift our team and, and let them know that regardless of results, we are here to support them. And ultimately every single Titans fan wants what's best for our team. And that is success. Um, so yeah, that's how I got into supporting the Titans. What about yourself, Matt? Cause I know you have been uh, with us since day dot on the front line, every game on the drums um, so yeah, what about your story? How did you get into the Titans? So kind of, like I wasn't since day dot as well, similar to yourself. Uh, the front line was actually originally called the Legion, uh, which was back, uh, it, which actually started in 2007 in day dot. However, uh, I didn't actually come into the front line until around that 2009-2010 season where uh, I actually found myself within this club. Now, the thing that really got me into this game was actually uh, a lady named Rhonda, who's actually still with us. She uh, She's a part of the front line, which is the official supporters group of the Gold Coast Titans, as I said, formerly known as the Legion, uh, which is what the, the club actually adopted from us so that they could utilize that as the entire fan base of the Gold Coast Titans. They were, were now all known as the Legion, and we adopted the new name of the front line to, to cater to that because it does it had that real symbolism behind it everyone loved the legion everyone got behind it right so i came in in 2000 like first came 2010 and as a young lad with blonde streaky hair you know i was uh i was just i, I was a little bit 
lost myself actually in fact and I came in and I was welcomed in with open arms and uh, yeah, no, it just, I love the Gold Coast, man. I'm from the Gold Coast. I did grow up in Brisbane until I, until I was about, you know, 11 years old. But as soon as I moved to the Gold Coast, that's where I really found myself as a person and going to the games. And uh, that was my first ever game, actually. I think it was against the Raiders. Uh, there's actually a photo of me with my blonde streaky hair screaming my head off. And uh, yeah, I just kind of got amongst the community. And that's what everything about me is about. It's about wanting the Gold Coast to be successful because I love the Gold Coast. I love the people, you know, I love the the attractions, I love the, the beach, I love the hinterland, I love literally everything to do with this community. So everything that I do is always trying to make sure that everyone is happy and supporting a club that although it doesn't give us the best of times, it really is something that we just need to kind of get around each other with. And and that's why I love the, this podcast idea because there's no real kind of massive support behind this club overall. There are people who will go to games and there are people who will, you know, uh, enjoy the games, but they won't... <laughs> They just don't have that same passion right now because of the fact there has been that longevity of lack of success. So with the fact that we've got, you know, this real kind of, um, I think a rejuvenation in the fans in recent years has really kind of helped me to push my content out more and to, to yeah, fire up a, a supporter base that doesn't have a voice. And I feel like people like yourself, people like myself and um, others out there, it's, it's really important to have that voice, uh, to, to really back up and defend who we are as a community and who we are as a team. And the fact that we do have fans, because we do have a lot of people coming out and saying, oh, the Titans don't have fans. It's like, I go to every single game, man. I go to every single game, especially this year. I've been at all 11 of our games, or 12 of our games out of 13. No, sorry, 11, because we've had two buys. I go to every single one of the games. So I see the passion that people do have. I see the true fans. And um, yeah, all, what I'm all about, man, is just loving this team. I'm there on the drums every single week. You know, I've been doing that for 13 years now, since well, since 2011 when I officially took over the big drums, but I was on the small drums in 2010. So yeah, man, I just love this club. I love this team and, uh, you know, I'm ready to get amongst it and, and support our boys in more ways than uh, we already have. And I think that feeds naturally into the question, why are we starting a Titans podcast? And I'm sure a lot of people that creating a podcast would look to brighter times or or maybe after you just made finals or won a premiership or something to launch a podcast. But we actually view this as the perfect time to get around our team. And, and that will remain the core focus and the why of our podcast to um, have a positive twist on the Titans at all times, to share our passion and love for the club and hopefully to uplift or inspire the Gold Coast community along the journey with us. And, you know, if you guys can listen to this podcast every week and get some enjoyment out of it, then that's a win for everybody. Uh, because as we said at the start, we ultimately all do have the same goal as Titans fans. We want our club to be successful. And uh, if we can get everyone rallied and joining in that journey together, then that's a win for every single person on the Gold Coast. Now, what can you expect from our podcast? Well, you just, want to just interject you, there? Yeah, just before you jump over there, I think that a big reason is to, to starting the podcast as well is because, as we said, the Gold Coast Titans Frontline is the official supporters club of the Gold Coast Titans, and we do our best at game days to create the atmosphere. We do our best to you know get those drums rocking and, and rolling, and it's not just me. People look at the drums and they think that it's just me. This... I think that really the big reason for a podcast here is because we're going to have your voices on here as well uh, that you'll find at the end of this podcast where we get your questions because we want to be able to immersify everybody and, and make everyone feel like... I don't feel like I'm a better fan than anybody else. I get a lot of people saying you're the biggest fan, biggest Titans fan and whatnot. And it's like, 
I don't feel like I'm a bigger fan than anybody else. I just have the ability to go to all these games and to put my content out there and to create. So I think with a podcast like this, we've got two people who obviously we are in the content creator scene. You know, we do put everything that we can into promoting this club as much as we possibly can. And I just feel like it's a, it's a really good thing to, to start up here so that, yeah, again, our club has a voice. Yeah, I think that's perfectly said, mate. And for people that are wondering uh, what to expect from this podcast in the future, being our inaugural episode and coming off the buy round, of course, this one will be slightly different um, to others in the future. But what you can expect is a, a sort of broad, I guess, rule of thumb is a teamless review. We'll go through our team list, talk all the key changes. We'll preview our matchup with who we are versing that weekend. Uh, we'll have a Q&A section where we answer your guys' questions and talk Titans together. And, of course, we will review the previous week, give our three, two, ones, um, talk about how our players went in reserve grade, et cetera. We aim to capture everything that is Titans for the week in this podcast, including a review of what was and a preview of what's to come. With that being said, I think it's probably a good point uh, to start with our team list for this round. So with that being said, Blaze will bring that up on the screen now. Whilst he does so, I'll run over some of the key ins and outs. So Kieran Foran is out for us. Uh, he is, of course, playing through that ruptured toe ligament injury, which is a very, very painful one. So that moves Jaden Campbell to 5'8", and Keanu Kinney comes in at fullback for us. Tino and Dave, they are both named to back up post-origin. Of course, we won't know 100% until we get closer to the date. Semi Verils, I'm sure every Titans fan is thrilled with this. He is back from his collarbone so injury. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's amazing to see him back. He was a key signing for us. And I'm just happy to see him and, and fingers crossed for a, a clean slate of health moving forward. Um, he'll come back by the interchange and Chris Randall will continue in the nine role for us. Although Fiona Khan Pereira is back. Brian Kelly drops out. Uh, AKP is coming back on the wing and Philip Sami is going to shift into the centers. And of course, Isaac Farr, Suomala Awi comes onto the bench for us. For South, they've got a few changes as well this week. Nova Trump Mitchell. The big news breaking this week, he is out of origin. Uh, and there were murmurs he was actually going to play this South game, which I thought, surely not. It's ended up that way. Blake Taft remains at no, he's fullback. He's running scared for me. He's running scared for me, man. Where and, of course, you did have that banter <laughs> with him. <laughs> what to expect scared. when he was going for the goal, which is disappointing. I was looking forward to seeing that as well. Um, Tane Milne drops out. Richie Kenner comes into the wing. Their origin players in Cam Murray and Jai Arrow are named to back up. And Campbell Graham returns from his sternum injury for them. So a fair few changes to both sides, Blaze. I probably want to start with uh, the spine reshuffle. I think that's probably the biggest key point this week. No Kieran Foran. Uh, so Jaden Campbell moves to 5'8", and Keanu Kinney at fullback. Uh, are you expecting that'll change the dynamic of how we play, or do you think we'll play pretty similar to previous rounds? Yeah, look, I, I love it. Obviously, I'm a big fan. If you guys follow me on my socials, I'm always talking about Keanu Kinney. He's a guy who absolutely crushed it for us in the preseason. And it was a really exciting prospect. And I feel like, you know, he's going to come in here and we're already questioning who's our fullback. Is it Jaden Campbell? Is it AJ Brimdog, Millionaire Brimson? Uh, or now it could be, is it Keanu Kinney? You know, we're always having that conversation. So I'm really excited to see him get that full crack because his first game when he played was against the Parramatta Eels. I had to stop myself from saying the Butter Mother Squeals, like I say on the channel, but uh, his first game against the Parramatta Eels in Magic Round, 
uh, he came on as a hooker in the 72nd minute, you know, and he's he's a fullback, or, you know, you can put him in the centres of the wing, and obviously he came on in that, that hooker role, but he didn't really get that full-on opportunity. So bringing him in here against a good team like the Rabbitohs is obviously a little bit nerve-wracking, uh, even though I do know how quality he is. However, I just know that he has that ability, and I'm a big fan of what Keanu Kenny brings. With Jaden Campbell, obviously he goes into that sixth role now. Jaden, I believe, is real prime to take over that foreign spot once, obviously, Kieran Foreign does leave. I think he's signed here for two years, might even sign for another. Um, or it could just be, you know, we're not going to sit here and beat around the bush. Kieran Foreign's not exactly the, the youngest player in the in the game right now. So we do need to start thinking about the future. And I feel like Jaden Campbell is a really good replacement to go into that role and absolutely kill it. Um, you know, obviously, that's exactly what his dad did, Preston Campbell. He played in the six as well. And, um, you know, I, I think that, I think that that's a, it's a very young spine, but in the same sense, as you were just saying there, Sammy Verrills comes back in. He may start. I think Chris Randall is good to start with, but Sam Verrills coming back from injury, he's going to bring that experience because he's the guy that we signed last year to fix our issues. Like that was realistically the big signing. We didn't have a hooker. So Sammy Verrills will come in and he'll really solidify it. Obviously, I love my boy Tanner Boyd and, and Chris Randall is just so solid. So look, it will change the dynamic for sure, uh, but I'm definitely excited to see. And I guess, look, we're playing the Rabbitohs who, no matter what team we had out there, they no one would have given us a, a hope in hell of winning this game. So uh, to, to throw, to give Kieran Foran a bit of a rest, you can see that obviously he's been feeling it the last month or so. Give him a bit of a rest. Put Jaden, who a lot of people believe is the, the future six, and then Keanu a chance. And I like it. I, I, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I don't have it either. I think when you verse the bunnies, their key the, the key focus of what they do so well is their attack. They are a fantastic attacking side, and it seems like Coach Holbrook's almost gone with let's fight fire with fire here, which I think is a really interesting tactic. I, I like it a lot of them, absolutely honest. I do wonder, I'm just looking at our injury list now, and I can't see Toby Sexton on it. Uh, so has is he fully fit, and was he available for that sixth jersey? I believe he would have been because he's been playing for Tweed. Uh, Tweed he, had, he did play for Tweed. Tweed, I believe, did lose. Now, in obviously this podcast, guys, I don't know if we mentioned it before, but we will be going over Q Cup results with Tweed and Burley and, and whatnot. Um, I'm not. Are we doing that today, or are we going to do that next time? We, I can get that up while you're talking. Okay. Well, anyway, so Toby did play for Tweed, so I believe that he would be rare and a go and fit and rare and a go. But I don't know. I think this is just Justin's way of trialing out something that. We've got Keanu Kinney there. He's bursting for that opportunity. And Jaden does come into the six at times anyway and can play the six. So I feel like maybe he doesn't want to, as in Justin Holbrook, doesn't want to bring Toby back in just because he wants to see the future. And I feel like yeah, out of all games, I know people are going to be like, there's one side of the spectrum where you're like, okay, it's the Rabbitohs. You want to play just absolutely your guaranteed best team. And there's another side where you're like, well, maybe we can we can trial this out, especially with no Latrell Mitchell, as we might talk about in a second. But it just it just feels like a real prime to, to give him that opportunity. And I do like Jaden in that six. So yeah, look, Tobes is my boy. I love Toby Sexton. Uh, but Jaden just gets that crap maybe because of Keanu Kinney, I think. Yeah, Keanu Kinney certainly pressing his claim in reserve grade as well. Seven games for the Bears this year. Two tries, six try assists. Um, in that he's also got 29 tackle breaks. But what impressed me the most, if I'm being honest, was the uh, 192 average running meters. That is, that, that's really, really good. Um, that'd be second in the competition. I think only Tristan Saylor averages more. Um, and he's he's ran as high as 260 meters this year, uh, yeah. which is unbelievable stats. Tristan Saylor um, had a really good game for the Broncos against the Warriors too when he got his opportunity. So, you know, if, he's, uh, if they're on a similar wavelength, then yeah, hopefully Keanu obviously comes in and does the same. 
I think that sums it up well. And I'm just looking, yeah, so our, our Tweed Seagulls did go down last round. They lost 18 to 38 to the winner, Manly Seagulls. Um, and Toby Sexton was at halfback in that game. We actually had a lot of our NRL boys yeah, there was, yeah. in that game. Um, and the Jets went down 0-52 to the Bears. Um, why I find that so interesting is the fact that the uh, Jets were the Queensland Maroons opposed side. And the Maroons were reportedly leaking tries down the right-hand side. And yeah, I DC want to say something about that. You know what I'm thinking here. That For me, I don't believe a word of that. You think I it's fabricated? I feel like this is a pure... And we've seen New South Wales doing it with Payne Haas and whatnot as well now. I know there's a little bit of an origin segue. I guess it is origin week. But... I feel like that's absolute Queensland nonsense there. There's no way that the Ipswich Jets are, are doing in the Queensland defence. And that's just a way to, to make people think, oh, they're definitely the underdogs now. And I'm, I'm a Queensland fan. I love it. You know, I love the, the mind games. But yeah, not for me. I'm, I think I've had a bit too much of a wake-up call when the origin chatter comes around to believe that personally. Yeah, no, I completely see where you're at there. I want to talk about our bench as well. There's a few different questions, but I want to start with our depth. So I can see Isaac Fa'asul Malawi comes back in on the bench. But, you know, just looking at our roster, there are so many options there for that spot. Um, you know, Jolof, Isaac himself, Jacob Arlick, Joe Vuna, uh, Cruz Leeming, Cleese Haas, Thomas McKayley. And I've just got up um, young Jacob Alex Statsy, who has played internationally for the uh, Papua New Guinea Kamuls. He's got seven tries this year from 10 games, eight line breaks, two line break assists. He's tackling at 97% efficiency, and he's running 120 meters on average per game. I have to wonder how long until uh, we see him in a Titans jersey. You think he could be close? Well, so I actually, on one of the Facebook groups the other day, I was looking for answers. I was down at the Bulldogs game. We're not going to go into my experience at Accor Stadium. That wasn't a great one. But I was down there and, you know, I was thinking the day after, try and just move on past that game. And for me, I was just looking for answers. And I thought, well, look, I've never really personally rated Jacob Alec a, a great deal prior to the season. I thought that he was okay. I thought it was good. It was okay for depth, but I never really personally saw it. But I was starting to think, He's killing it for Burley this season. And there just obviously seems to be a, just a lack of something in, uh, I guess, the bench rotation. And that's where we, we lose these games. That's where we obviously collapse that lead. And uh, it has happened quite a numerous amount of times now. The Dolphins, the Dogs, the Broncos, the, even go and have a look at the Knights. You've got the, the Dragons game, the Cowboys game. We're, we're always leading. We're actually undefeated in the first half this season. So it does have to come down to that bench rotation. And I don't know, maybe Jacob Allen could, could come in and, and, and do something there. Maybe, you know, I, I think that obviously Joey Stimson, um, you know, I do really like him as a player. I think, he's, I think he's a solid player, but just recently... It just it hasn't necessarily seemed to be working there on the defensive front. So maybe he was actually playing better in the front row preseason, Joe Stimson. So maybe put him onto the bench there and, and have somebody else in replacement of him. I don't think that Joe Stimson is a bad player. I think that he has to play, but I just think that maybe the minutes aren't necessarily there for him to be starting. Get somebody else in there, maybe maybe even an Alec, you know, or, or have Khalees Haas starting um, and then have Joe Stimson rotation in the front row. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I don't mind that at all. And the beauty of live podcasts, you guys can probably hear my daughter at the door there uh, <laughs> missing daddy at the moment. So I do apologize for that. I like that a lot. And I think that we have so much options for that depth depth spots on the bench at the moment. And with Bo Firmer to come back next year um, from his ACL, then I really think that does open up a lot of competition um, with guys like um, Thomas McKayley, who will be fighting for a contract. Alec, who we just spoke about. Um, 
Isaac will have another year under his belt. Vuna, there's so much depth in it. And I think it's really exciting. Um, one thing I would say young Jacob has in his favor is the fact he is playing so well at back row for Burley at the moment. Yeah. And we've also seen him in middle roles um, before. Other thing I want to talk about with our team, Sam Verrill's back, named by the interchange, Chris Randall's starting. I think I prefer that. Randall's really, really good defensively. And I think Verrill's um, is more of an attacking hooker. So I think that could suit our game. But what does that leave Cruz Leeming moving forward now? I'm not sure. Is he signed for next year as well? Do you think we could play him in a 13 capacity or is he strictly a hooker at the moment? I could be wrong, but I think he's only here for this year. I think they only sign him to the one-year kind of deal, but I could be wrong. If, I'm, if I am wrong, um, do let me know. But I do believe that Cruz was effectively signed because we signed Sam Verrills, and then we had no... Realistically, we didn't have a hooker. You know, Aaron Clark and I have had conversations before where, you know, Aaron's not a hooker. He's a 13. He's a, a big ball carrying, just run it straight hard. I, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of his passing game, and, and he's actually voiced this as well, personally. Um, you know, he is a... He's a very strong run of the ball and does have... It's better for him to just think about running and then maybe a pass rather than, as a hooker, you have to pass. Uh, and that's why I think that he really killed it last year when he was in the 13 there, Aaron Clark. Um, but I think that Cruz obviously was signed because Chris Randall was also... He had no backup if he went down. And Chris Randall was did that the trade swap with Newcastle for Greg Martiu, which for me, I know a lot of people say, oh, Greg, I miss him. It's like we're, our wingers are not a worry at all right now. We're scoring points with ease and there's no dramas with that at all. So that trade actually worked out in our benefit in a lot of ways. Like, it doesn't matter how well Greg's playing because we're scoring tries there. So Chris Randall comes in. We needed him. And then when... Like, he also had a bit of an injury, and we brought Cruz in, and I feel like he might just unfortunately be surplus to the fact that now we're going to have Sam Verrill's back, and we've got Chris Randall there. And I think that Chris Randall and Sam Verrill's might work well together. So, for me, like, Cruz, great bloke. I, I, I hope that he keeps on cracking, and I hope he, get, he can try and find a way back into the team, but I just feel like it's not really that possible right now, unless the, the option is to kind of put Cruz over Chris. Yeah, and I just had a look while you were talking there. You're absolutely right. He is only signed until the end of this season. So um, interesting to see where that leaves Cruz. If he is interested in fighting for another contract with us or um, whether he looks to secure his future elsewhere. Probably the last thing I want to talk about our, our team list with you is regarding Brian Kelly. So we've got Jojo moving from centers to wing, Sammy moving into the centers, and Alofiana Kanpera, who just simply had to return with the form he's in. Where does that leave Brian Kelly? What, what are you hoping to see from BK um, when he turns out for Tweed Seagulls this round? Is there anything in particular you think uh, BK needs to really work on to force his way back into our side? I think it's difficult because the only reason... Like, Alofiana Camprera is is such a speedster. He's such a talent man. Like, he's really, really good. Defensively, the Titans' back line has just been leaking points. So it's kind of harsh to look at BK and, and say that his defense isn't up to standard because a lot of these guys defensively haven't necessarily been up to standard. Uh, but the, the club is working on that. The the boys are really trying hard to uh, to do their best to get themselves into a, onto a better wavelength with each other. And it unfortunately, you know, we actually, this is another thing I want to say. With people obviously coming at the Titans defensively, firstly, this has been a, a problem that we've had for 16 years now. There's nothing different right now. But the difference here is that we actually signed Brett White in the offseason. And 
when you're signing a brand new defensive coach, things are going to change and maybe things don't work out at first. And and right now, it doesn't necessarily look like it's working out, but you've got to give Brett White a little bit of time here to try and get his defensive structures in place. And, um, you know, when it comes to, to BK, I think that unfortunately, with how quality Lafayette Campero has been playing, we did sign Aaron Shoup in the offseason to, to really solidify that. He was great at the doggies and um, unfortunately, defensively hasn't been great this year again, but that's because the whole back line just hasn't necessarily been out at it, right? So it's a team thing. People look individually at players, but it is a team thing. So yeah, look, Shupi, uh, I don't think that he can be dropped. I think he's a, a quality player. I think he's there. Uh, Jojo, obviously, he's locked on absolutely. And Phil Sami has played Queensland Queensland level before, has been having an incredible season, mind you. Like uh, Sami has been having a blinder of a year. And I think it's just another surplus thing. You know, it's good to see that we've got that depth there in, in Brian Kelly. Do you agree with what I'm saying? Yeah, completely agree. I mean, it's just a depth issue. And and when I say issue, I say that in quotations. It's a, it's a issue, great yeah. issue to have at the moment. It's one you want. It's one the best sides always have. And and I completely mirror your thoughts around um, Brett White. Now, my wife is actually friends with his wife. So I knew he'd signed early and he was actually headhunted by our club. Our club identified we need this guy. And, you know, all Brett needs, I think, is another season and I am so and it's not even that he needs that but I'm so excited to see that where his defensive structures another preseason with the whole team to really fully immerse and, and understand that new structure and the, the the future is so exciting when when you think of that Raiders 2019 they make the grand final they weren't blowing teams out of the water of their attack at all it was their defense that got them there Brett White is literally getting or has literally got a team to the grand final based off his um, defensive structures in the past. So it's a very, very exciting time for us uh, moving forward. I think we've pretty much covered all there is there regarding our, our team list at the moment. The I really other big question mark. we do move over, move over is the fact that we do also get Jamin Jolliffe back in either this week or next week against the Tigers, which is the Thursday night game at Seabus Super Stadium. Uh, I don't know. I, like, obviously, I've spoken to, to Jamin last week and he was very hopeful that he could play the Rabbitohs game. And obviously, he's been ex- named on the extended bench here. But... Uh, I do believe he's probably more so looking at that Tigers game, but obviously look towards the team list as it comes out on Saturday before the 5.30pm um, kickoff against the Rabbitohs. Uh, but Jamie Jolliffe is, is such an underrated player. Like People don't recognize how important he was to our team. He is a massive middle forward, <coughs> sorry, and has obviously played in, in the Rugby League World Cup for Ireland. And just everything he does in preseason, he was running for like 200 meters. Well, the guy is a, is a machine. And we've really missed him in regards to that leadership. He is our closest player, I believe, to, to kind of get under the pl- another player's skin as well. Like Jamin, Jimmy, he's a, he's a funny bloke, man. He loves that good banter and he loves to really get under the, the other player's skin. And I just, I really look forward to him being back in with this team because I think that it will really solidify that front row rotation. And he's just such a, a grunt player. Like he's a, he's, he's just... Yeah, I'm looking forward to his solidity. Yeah, definitely adds a bit of a, you know, a real punch to our forward pack. That's exciting too. NRL Casualty Ward has him um, down as a round 17 return, so well ahead of schedule there. He's originally meant got... to come back round 17, yeah. Mm, so he's obviously taking his rehab very seriously, which you love to see. Um, AJ Brimson, he's named to return round 17 from his hamstring injury, and they've got Kieran Foran for the same round as well due to the toe. Obviously, both are unfortunately out for the season. That's all our current injuries. And yeah, really the last thing we can touch on regarding team lists is whether Tino and Dave back up. Obviously, we'd love to have our, our key forwards there, but we'll just have to see pending 
how Origin goes. Very unpredictable. Yeah, I think well, with preview. those two, I think with those two, yeah, obviously it will come down to um, how Origin goes there. But I think the benefit is that it is a later game on the Saturday. Like if it was the Friday game, like you're not going to see any. I don't, not too sure who the Friday night game is, uh, but I think that you'll see with um, with those two that Tino is so 100 percent for this club. Like he is so 150 percent for this club. I know he's going to want to back up, and I know Dave is too. These guys have bought into the culture, and that's just facts based on the fact that they've re-signed contracts to 2026. So I feel like they know this is a big game. They know this is a doable game, considering uh, you know the big out of Latrell Mitchell as well, and the fact that we are only actually four points up the top. Don't look at points differential, but we are technically only two wins away from that top of the table. So I think that they, they will come back, and they will absolutely slap it down, yeah. And I think the player that, you know, you always want to beat teams when they're at the, at their absolute best. But if there was a player to miss out for the Rabbitohs, I would certainly hope it's Cam Murray. I thought their attack struggled last round and probably the round before, actually, as well. Uh, but one player who was really key for them still was Cody Walker. Mm-hmm. He's come up with three try assists in both of his last two games there. Leads the NRL in line break assists um, and try assists as well. So we're currently in ninth. Rabbitohs are currently in fifth. Uh, but only two competition points do split us at the moment. Um, as far as the stats are between these sides, they are first in the competition for tri-assist and line break assists, 18 more line breaks than us, um, which is obviously a byproduct of the uh, line break assist that they're um, you know getting every single game. But here's a really interesting stats. We have the exact same completion rate as them, and we average the exact same missed tackles at 28.3. Now, that did shock me because there is a lot of, as you said, negative talk online around Titans defense, not up to scratch. Um, and that's mainly from other fan bases as sort of a personal dig to ours. But, you know, a lot of people view South as a premiership favorite here. And we're averaging the exact same defensive stats and attacking stats in terms of completions as them. Um, so, yeah, when I look at this one, I think it's a winnable game. And my absolute key to victory is just frustrating Cody Walker getting him off his game, making sure every time he touches the ball, we've got one of our back rowers there ready to just get in his face, disrupt him. Uh, because I don't know about you, but I, I, I seem to have seen in, in other games with Cody that once he gets distracted and once he's no longer focused on the game at hand, he turns to, some might say grubby tactics, but certainly he's not as focused as he should be on attack. He's mm. more worried about the niggle and the getting back at the players that are getting at him. So that's my key to victory in this one. I want to hear your key to victory and whether you think this is a winnable game for us. I think that... I definitely believe this is a winnable game for us. As you just said, uh, you know, Cody Walker is someone that is definitely easily to get under his skin. Uh, And I think that's a... NRL-wide knowledgeable fact that if you're going to get under somebody's skin, it's probably going to be a guy like Cody Walker. He just doesn't know how to let it go and move on. Like I think there's a very vast difference between him and a guy like Latrell Mitchell, who he can just take it. Like I don't believe that he gets lost in the game. I think that uh, that's not the issue with Trell. I think that with Cody, unfortunately, he just yeah bites too hard into that banter. I think that a big thing for us in this game is the fact that we've been away from home for seven weeks. You know, as I said, I'm at every single game. So in the time being, we've had we've had uh, a bye. We played the Dolphins at Suncourt. We played. Um, the Eels at Suncourt, which was apparently a home game. You know, we were down there at the Bulldogs. We were down there at Newcastle. Um, We've been away for seven weeks. And other clubs I notice say, oh man, we've been away from home for so long. It's like three weeks. We've been seven weeks. That's legitimately like two months, right? So we're 
But yeah, it's a, it's a tough draw, and we're going to get a really good run home, and this is where I really think with our players coming back, we've had all these injuries, our players coming back with the run home, and, and CBUS, you know, we're, we're going to be a solid team. We beat the Storm there this year. I know it was a high-scoring game, but the fact of the matter is, we'll take the two points, and we won the game, and the Storm are a formidable team, as everybody knows. So first home game in seven weeks, you know, it is coming off origin there. Um, I feel like the boys are going to be red hot, obviously coming off the bye as well, which is a benefit because the Rabbitohs didn't have the bye. So their players were still playing. They haven't had a bye all season, actually. So hopefully we can utilize, if Jimmy Jolliffe did come back into the team there, hopefully we can utilize his grunt there. Or obviously Moaki Fodawaker, he didn't get selected for origin. Absolutely smacked them up there. Tino hopefully plays Davey. Um, and just utilize his forward rotation off the bench. And I think that if we can if we can tie them out, we've got the attack, man. There's no worries with our attack. There is no worries at all with our attack. I think we're a top five, top six attacking team in the competition right now. Just unfortunately, second or third worst in regards to the defense. So the Rabbitohs, they can leak points. They just obviously lost, what, 33-26 to the Raiders, uh, who did lose last week by a massive margin to Manly. So it just shows you how close this competition. So yeah, I definitely think that it is a doable match for us today, um, on Saturday. And, you know, I think the home ground advantage will really come into play, especially when you've got a crazy man on the drums going wild at Blake Tuff and, and Cody Walker trying to get under his skin as well. Mate, I absolutely love it. And it, it just seems so unfair. I know, you know, people, if you're listening to this that aren't Titans fans, pro- you're probably thinking we're being a sook right now, but seven weeks away from your home ground is... It's so important. Um, a stat that sums that up is the last 10 games between us and the Newcastle Knights, the side who was at McDonald Jones or Seabus, their traditional home ground, has won. And it, well, that stat that to me, before that, yeah, before that Knights game, it just summed up to me how important a home ground advantage is, um, especially when the coast is getting out and getting behind our team. You mentioned the buy. I hadn't actually considered that. But uh, what I have been tracking this year is just how important is a buy. And pretty much the data that I've got so far is only two or three teams have played poor coming off the bye. Now, not every team's won, but the teams I put into the category that played good is like um, the Panthers that lost in Golden Point to the Eels. Mm. You, you wouldn't say they played poor in that game. They didn't get the win, but the bye, obviously. I you know, know they who came you're about to bring well. up on the flip side of that. I, I know very well who you're about to flip, bring up on the flip side of didn't play well after the bye because I know how recent it was. Yeah, there's um, I'll, I'll bring it up. There's there's a, there's a few you know examples <laughs> where, yeah, don't well, we the field. Well, like, <laughs> like yeah, exactly right. Don't shoot the field. Like obviously the the only one that really kind of disappointed because I was really hyped up on that Warriors versus the Broncos game. I thought the Warriors were going to yeah. be able to to get the job done there, um, but yeah, they weren't. So it just shows that yeah. Look, obviously we have that the Panthers who did well there, and uh, did we win coming off the bye early in the season? No, I think that. we played the Broncos, didn't we? And we lost that game. I'm not too sure. Um, but I know that it was earlier on or so. I think it was maybe around round five. Because we played the Tigers, we got that win. Then we played yeah. the Dragons and we lost that game. Then we came home yep. and played the Yeah, Storm. so round four, we went down to the Cowboys. That, But that was the game where we had those okay, very key and injuries AJ to AJ and for him. Yeah. We had the bye, and then we came back and beat the Dragons by two points at home. There you go. Yeah. So, so the... we did win coming off our last bye. Yeah, we did win that one. And I guess it obviously is a major benefit with all a lot of teams uh, being off and then specifically the team that we're playing was not off and have not had a bye all season. So their bodies are going to be exhausted. Plus also they've got, uh, they've, you know, they've named Cameron Murray who will be in origin. You know, they've named, uh, well, Damian Cook didn't get named in origin. But well, to be fair, they, they don't actually have as many that many origin. Oh, Jai Arrow is there. Jai Arrow, Jai Arrow and as well. Cameron Murray are the only two that will play origin that 
uh, will have that extra bit. I don't know if they play that game. I'm not too sure. Uh, but then again, they had the buy mm. last week, those two guys specifically, because they didn't... Well, they didn't have the buy, but they didn't have to play due to origin. So, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like we've got a much fresher team. I know how hungry this team is. I see these guys that training all the time. I have a good rapport with the boys. You know, they see me at every single game, and uh, we talk all the time. And, and these guys seem very much like they're really, really on target to change this second half fade out and and it is the second half fade out no one's hiding from that that's the thing no one's no one's pretending like it doesn't exist we all know it's, it exists but um, they are doing their best to, to try and rectify that you know just to counter that second half fade out i wouldn't even mind if um maybe tino returned via the bench for example hey mate you, you know you just had a big origin game we're going to bring you off the bench after 20 minutes we think you can have some impact that way damien cook last week only the two runs and that's why I also go to the really marking up on Cody Walker. Cookie's best strength was always his running game. The fact he's not running now to me is a very deliberate decision to get that early ball out to Cody Walker to dominate mainly that left edge. And so our right side players do have a big task there. Don't want to give too many other cliche keys to victory. Obviously, we all know playing the full 80 is so important. But with the <laughs> trailer, I'd really have that. Especially with our team. Yes, yeah. it's more true than ever for our team at the moment. But probably my other one I would offer, Blaze, is uh, Tanner's kicking game. He's had a few games this year where his kicking game has been absolutely superb. And a few others, mainly the Dragons game in round two. Really, apart from that, he's been superb all year, I would say, with the king game. But, um, you know, really turning around their big forward pack, um, but also maybe targeting Blake Taff, who does have the odd error or two in him there. Um, I think that could, you know, be a really... Big key for us, if I'm absolutely honest, especially with uh, Jaden Campbell in 5'8", not a noted kicker. You agree with that, oh, Keita Jaden Jaden can kick. Jaden definitely can kick. He's actually, I actually pre- prefer in that regard, Jaden's bombs are massive. Like, Jaden can put up a, a really heavy bomb. So, something that Kieran and Tanner don't really do is just whack that ball like a Matt Burton, Nathan Cleary, yes, Burton bomb kind of deal right up into the sky. Jaden Campbell can do that. So maybe that's going to give us that extra little lift in regards to Tanner being able to try and, you know, precisely kick the ball into areas of the field that we want and then Jaden mixing it up with that massive bomb up in the air. So, um, yeah, obviously Blake Taft does have that that issue in him. I, I think that if, if people have queries about Tanner, there's a couple of questions that are asked. One, who is the replacement for Tanner right now? Do you go with Toby? Because the thing is, is that majority of people have come out, you know, over the last year and, and completely annihilated Tobes. You know, Tobes is... Um, he he got absolutely blasted last year, and then the fans as a whole, you know, well not as a whole, but a, a large part, a large part of the fan base came out and wanted him gone. And then now that Tanner's come in, everyone was really loving Tanner preseason. And then you know it, it just comes down to that. It always seems like we're uh, as a fan base picking on that one individual player. And and for me, Tanner, one, there's no backup there, but two, Tanner is so hardworking for this club. We also don't have a kicker, as in a conversion kicker, without him. He is literally, right now, the defined best conversion kicker in the game. That's actually a fact, yep. statistically. I think he's around 95 or 94%, which is ridiculous. So that's one thing that is a major benefit. And two, with Tanner, I have never seen someone who just genuinely... Like, I have, but he is so in for this club. He wants the success of this club. He is 100% committed to it. And he's a very, very hard worker. And I know that hard work doesn't necessarily translate into the best ever seven. But I just, I love what Tanner does bring to the game. And uh, if he can, you know, fix up a few areas of his game, which I know that he is willing to work on, I'm telling you, he's going to be a good seven. But it's good to, it's good to have the question there. But the fact of the matter is, is that Tanner is our seven. And I know he's going to have a good game against Rabbitohs for sure. 
you got to back our boys. And, and just on that point, while, you, while you're referencing his goal kicking, we had a four-point win over the Storm, a two-point win over the Dragons, a two-point loss to the Dolphins, and a two-point win over the Eels, and a two-point loss over the Doggies. These are all super close games where goal kicking is uh, absolutely important. And Tanner having the best boot in the comp is definitely helping us in some of those really tight games where maybe it could have gone the other way. Um, and certainly if he wasn't there, then the close ones we've lost could have been a, a lot wider margin. Absolutely. It's that time of the show where we're going to go to a Q&A section. Every week we're going to wrap it up. Last 10, 15 minutes or so, we're going to go through and answer um, any questions that come through. We think it's a great way to involve um, more people than us in the podcast and create that community feel, which is what we're both all about. So uh, first question here came from Chris Thomas. And if you're on footy fan pages online, no, it's not that Chris Thomas. <laughs> I love that you uh, may mention. I think he's blocked me, by the way, that guy. Like, I don't see him anymore, which is brilliant. The one he's referring uh, to, FYI. Yes, the, yes, uh, that, that, that is a, a godsend him blocking it's you, actually. It's a benefit to be blocked by that man. <laughs> you have won the Trolls game. Congratulations. <laughs> Your prizes. You no longer have to see his stuff. Thank you. Uh, thank but you. this Chris Thomas, the good Chris Thomas, says, any murmurs about Holbrook's future from the owners? Now, I can't touch on how the owners are perceiving the future with him, but I can just say from a, a fan, I really back Justin and I absolutely believe in him um, and where he's taking this club. I think he's a fantastic coach. And I think if you want to get down to business and, and you really think we need change, we need to get rid of Holbrook, Who's going to replace him? Let's be realistic, guys. Um, no one loves the coast as much as Justin right now, and no one's as committed and as passionate. I still think he's our best option moving forward. Your thoughts on that question? Yeah, uh, like obviously I've spoken uh, at times. I see Daryl all the time, and whenever I see Rebecca Frizzell as well at the games, I've never had any kind of notion that they are looking to get rid of Justin Holbrook. I think that this is a, a fan-pushed agenda uh, and I think that's obvious, rather than a ownership uh, push there. I think that, look, I, I do understand the concerns that people have in regards to Justin, but the fact of the matter is, is that as, as Clarky was just touching on just then, who do you bring in? And when you bring somebody in, you have to then think about the next three to five years. So people are desperate for success now. You go in, and these are the names that get touted around. You know, there's, there's Des Hasler, there's Shane Flanagan, and they're the ones that everyone always talks about. You go in and get one of those guys, you better hope that you're patient enough to wait the next three to five years. Like, this isn't just a quick fix. You don't just come in and go, okay, Des Hasler did well at Manly. Firstly, Des Hasler is 100% Manly. Just like I believe Justin right now is, is 100% Gold Coast. I don't think that he has any uh, affiliations with anybody else. I think that he is 100% Gold Coast and wants the Gold Coast to succeed. I see Justin all the time. Um, he's an absolutely phenomenal bloke. And again, I know phenomenal blokes don't necessarily translate to wins, but Justin is 100% for this club and that's what you want to see so look if, if this same results are happening if we have another massive like I don't like to talk about it but the Dolphins game we were 26 nil up and then we lost that game 28-26 if that happened again or, or we had it a couple of times I can definitely see things going away from us in that regards but that is a massive massive collapse it's not going to happen often like that I know we have the the smaller collapses um but I just I, I believe in Justin Stillman, and if you were going to get rid of him, you would have to think three to five years. And the only reason you'll get rid, getting rid of him is because you want success now. We've never had success really. I know 2010 happened, and we got to the preliminary final, lost the Roosters. But the fact of the matter is, is that we didn't have that same connection with the club because the club had only been around for three years. You know, like there wasn't that same to become 
To have that same feeling, you need to go through the hard times. And we've gone through plenty of hard times. So for me, getting rid of Justin is not the answer because that is just another step in three to five years. And then they're going to get new players. They're going to say, I don't like this player and go down a completely different path. And then we might be here again in three to five years. So yeah, I, I love Justin. I know it's tough times, but I, I believe that the ownership is backing him in. I believe Steve Mitchell, our CEO, who is a phenomenal CEO, who helped lead the Cowboys to their premiership in 2015. I think that he is fully backing Justin. And yeah, I don't believe that that is a question right this very second, especially considering we're only two points out of the eight and four points off the top of the table. Yeah, and just as I encourage to back the boys, I, I say the same, back the coach, guys. An example of that is the Penrith Panthers. Look at the great success they have had uh, in recent years. That wasn't overnight. They were really struggling for a while there where even a, Nathan, a young Nathan Cleary had a, a solid first year in his career and really dipped off in that second year. People started to question him. Look where he's at now. Look where the Panthers are at now. But most importantly, what I can say about that period is they got rid of Ivan Cleary. They didn't improve. And they brought him back. Imagine if they had to stuck with Cleary over that whole period. Maybe their success would have come a little bit earlier again. I want another question here. This... Go, I know uh, before you get to this question, um, I just want to throw this out here uh, to kind of give a lot more belief behind this club as well for uh, people who might be doubting. This is not necessarily just Justin Holbrook based, but as a club, you know, we are on a very similar trajectory in regards to a lot of things off the field uh, as the Pen Panthers. We've uh, focused on uh, getting schools like Hebra, PBC and Marsden in our area and really kind of revitalizing that so we can have a from the youth upwards, which is exactly what Penrith did. We've also got the new Queensland Cup team that I believe is being touted to, to be coming into the competition soon. Love that. Um, you know, we've got the Burley Bears, we've got the Tweed Seagulls. Um, you know, we've got so much going on. We've got the netball team as well. We are really making a community here on the Gold Coast. And I think it's just... I think people need to trust in Steve Mitchell the most. If you don't believe in Justin, then please believe in Steve Mitchell, who believes in Justin. Because Steve Mitchell is doing all the right things, in my opinion, off the field that will translate to the on-field success. That's what I would say. Yeah, I had the absolute privilege of um, touring the club's facilities a year or so ago now, um, where I met with our executive chairman, Dennis Watt, and everyone in the club just looked so hardworking, professional. It looked like an awesome environment. And I think that if you're doing things right in the back office that will translate onto the field. And I mean, I've just got to say with the greatest respect to Tweed and the Bears, I'm really excited for our Queensland Cup yeah. side um, to come along next year. Now, in future shows, we will definitely have more time for Q&As. We've only got time for one more today. That is completely my fault because I need to run to another show <laughs> after this one. So um, completely apologize. Uh, but this one's from Joshua McMillan. And he asks, do the players need a captain that's on the field for 80 minutes? as they seem to lose direction once Tino goes off. I started the last, last question. I'm going to let you start this one. What's your gut feel on that question? I love Tino. I think that Tino, as I've said many, many a time now as well, I think Tino is 100% for the club. And I think that he is one of, if not our best player at the club. Look, obviously, I know that people are going to look at guys like Dave Fafita and whatnot, but he is, for me, just everything that embodies this club and, and truly wants success. If you guys have watched that video on uh, on Instagram that the club put out, uh, he is just so embodies what this club represents. And I understand the question here, but in the same sense, I think that it would be incredibly tough and rough to take a captaincy off of Tino because I understand what they're saying because when Tino's off the field, they do lose the direction. They they, they do. It's like when, when Tino and Mo are off the field, it just seems like the club doesn't have that same push forward because we don't have... 
I guess, a Jimmy Jolov to come on in replacement, you know, um, someone like that. So for me, I think that Tino is our captain. I also believe that Tino is very young. I think, what, 24 years old, 23, 24 years old, has won the premiership at the Melbourne Storm, has learnt that way. And I think that he is just getting better. And it, it just comes down to the fact that people want success immediately. Who do you go with as a captain? You're not going to go Isaac Lee because I just don't believe that he... He doesn't have the voice. Like, he's a quiet guy. He's known as the Iceman for a reason. Lovely bloke. Not a captain, though. You, you're not going to be giving it to, to Dave or, or Joey Simpson there. Um, I, I can see, like, a, a Jimmy Jollop, but then again, it comes down to that 80 minutes kind of deal. Um, you know, Kieran's not going to be it. Tanner's not going to be it, unless you put in AJ Brimson. But AJ Brimson isn't really that... He he is our second in charge captain when Tino's not there. He usually goes in as the captain. We saw it last year when Tino was out and AJ became our captain for the day. Um, I just can't see another replacement besides Brimo. And I still feel like... I don't necessarily usually like fullbacks as captain because they're actually you know behind the play. But I also can see the positives to it. So no, I I believe that Tino has to be the captain. I don't think you get rid of him because I don't think there's a, a a replacement that is better. And you know all these contract rumors came out for, uh, through Fox Sports in the last few days that Tino can negotiate with rival clubs come November first this year. And you know clubs would pay Tino probably more than we are. Clubs like the Dolphins would. But the fact he came out straight away and said I'm a Titan and it will be that way. I absolutely love that sort of loyalty that he shows to us. And when these late fade-outs or these mid-game fade-outs are occurring in the second half, I've never looked and thought, this is a leadership issue. This is on Tino. I've always looked at it as a group thing. It's a collective thing where every player needs to improve in that regard. And I just think that our next best option, our next most experienced option is Kieran Foran. Let's use the Dolphins game, for example. I know it hurts everyone. I'm sorry to do so. But let's pretend Kieran's the captain in that one. Just... Does it change anything? I don't think so. It doesn't he was really. Actually, he, he made a few errors that were pretty critical in that time as well. Exactly. It just doesn't it just doesn't change anything because it's not a leadership issue. It's it's a group issue for me. Um, and I feel really passionate about Tino continuing to be our captain and I love what he's about. So um, great question, Joshua. Um, I think we're all as Titans fans kind of searching for that answer, but I think both of our gut feelings is Tino probably should remain our captain. Well, should captain absolutely no, he, he takes the loss on himself man like i know you're gonna jump off now but he takes the loss on himself i saw him at the airport after the dogs game as we we're flying back to the gold coast and that was immediately after the game we literally all went back immediately after the game to the airport and um he takes a loss on himself you know he is very selfless he uh he does blame himself and that is something that uh shouldn't have like we, we don't want him to blame himself because it is a team game but it just shows how much he does genuinely care and believes that he is the guy to lead us forward. And as you said, you don't you change the captain and, and nothing. I don't believe that having Kieran Foran then. I love kids, but like I don't believe having Kieran Foran as a captain changes the result of all those games that have happened so far. I just think that we're losing, regardless of the captain, we're losing such a quality player in Tino, and we just haven't had that same replacement. And that's why I feel like Jimmy Jolliffe has been such a massive, massive loss that no one's really talking about. Oh, mate, we've had a few massive losses this year. We're being absolutely honest. At one stage, seven of our um, starting 13 were out, I believe. So we've had a tough draw. Um, We've had some tough injuries this year, but we're certainly looking forward to round 14 against the Rabbitohs. And fingers crossed we can get a win there and slip back into the top eight. Uh, But with that being said, that is all the time we've got here on the inaugural Gold Coast Frontline podcast. So thank you very much to all of our viewers that tuned into our first ever episode. We've got a Facebook group up. You can join that one. It's the Gold Coast Titans Frontline podcast. And within that group, it's where we will post the links when the show comes out every week. And we'll also ask for more questions at the end of every show. 
Uh, but yeah, with that being said, Blaze, I just want to say thank you very much to everyone who's given this show a chance. And fingers crossed we will see you back here next week to review that Bunnies game and preview our game against the Tigers, I believe Tigers it is. on, on uh, Thursday, yeah, at Seabus Super Stadium. And just, just before we go here quickly, uh, obviously, guys, just yeah, just just stay positive. I know it's a, a tough time, but I'll be there at Seabus Super Stadium on uh, Saturday at 5.30pm, drumming away, getting some atmosphere up. So if you're at the game, you know, get loud, get proud, and, and, and make the Rabbitohs know that uh, this is our home because I definitely will be doing that. And, um, yeah, obviously, it's uh, going to be a good time. So let's try and pack it out, and let's get as many Gold Coast fans there as possible because if we can do it, you can do it as well. We're just trying to support this team, and I know that you can too, and uh, do it for the community. If you don't necessarily like the results right now, do it for the community, do it for the people around you that are still supporting and still believe and still just want to create a fun time for people who it just hasn't necessarily... Like, we've done our best in regards to what we can do off the field, and the players are going to do their best, but we just need to keep on keeping on, is what I would say there. So, yeah, much love. Well said, mate. Up the bloody Titans.